Close Horse is brought to you with support from the following sustainable brands. Selena Sanders, a social impact brand that specializes in upcycle clothing using only reclaimed vintage or thrifted materials from tea towels, linens, blankets, and quilts. Sustainably crafted in Los Angeles, each piece is designed to last in one's closet for generations to come. Maximum style, minimal carbon footprint. Shift clothing out of beautiful Astoria, Oregon, with a focus on natural fibers, simple hardworking designs, and putting fat people first. Discover more at shiftwheeler.com. Late to the party, creating one-of-a-kind statement clothing from vintage, salvaged, and thrifted textiles. They hope to tap into the dreamy memories we all hold. Floral curtains, a childhood dress, the wallpaper in your best friend's rec room all while creating modern, sustainable garments that you'll love wearing and have for years to come. Late to the Party is passionate about celebrating and preserving textiles, the memories they hold, and the stories they have yet to tell. Check them out on Instagram at Late to the Party People. Vino Vintage, based just outside of LA. We love the hunt of shopping secondhand because you never know what you might find. Catch us at flea markets around Southern California by following us on Instagram at vino.vintage so you don't miss our next event. Gabriella Antonis is a visual artist and an ethical trade fashion designer. But Gabriella is also a radical feminist micro-business. She's the one-woman band trying to help you understand why slow fashion is what the earth needs. The one-woman band to help you build your own brand. She can take your fashion line from just a concept and do your sketches, pattern making, grading, sourcing, cutting, and sewing. The second option is for those who aren't trying to start a business and who just want ethical garments. Gabriella Antonis will create custom made-to-measure garments just for you. Her goal is to help help one person of any size at a time, including beyond size 40. To inquire about this serendipitous intersectional offering of either concept, DM her on Instagram to book a consultation. Please follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Gabriella Antonis. And that's Gabriella with one L. Gotta get that spelling right. Dylan Page is an online clothing and lifestyle brand based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our products are chosen with intention for the conscious community. Everything we carry is animal-friendly, ethically made, sustainably sourced, and cruelty-free. Dylan Page is for those who never stop questioning where something comes from. We know that personal experience dictates what's sustainable for you, and we are here to help guide and support you to make choices that fit your needs. Check us out at dylanpage.com and find us on Instagram at dylanpagelifeandstyle. Salt Hats, purveyors of truly sustainable hats, hand-blocked, sewn, and embellished in Detroit, Michigan. Find us on Instagram at Salt Hats. Karen Kinney Studio. Located in western Massachusetts, Karen specializes in handcrafted earrings from found, upcycled, and repurposed fabrics, as well as other eco-friendly curios, all with a hint of nostalgia, a dollop of whimsy, a dash of color, and 100% fun. Karen is an artist slash designer who believes the materials we use matter. See more on Instagram at Karen Kinney Studio or online at www.cKinney.com. Gentle Vibes Vintage. 
We are purveyors of polyester and psychedelic relics. We encourage experimentation and play not only in your wardrobe, but in your home too. We have thousands of killer vintage pieces ready for their next adventure. See them all on Instagram at Gentle Vibes Vintage. Thumbprint is Detroit's only fair trade marketplace located in the historic Eastern Market. Our small business specializes in products handmade by empowered women in South Africa, making a living wage, creating things they love like hand-painted candles and ceramics. We also carry a curated assortment of sustainable and natural locally made goods. Thumbprint is a great gift destination for both the special people in your life and for yourself. Browse our online store at thumbprintdetroit.com and find us on Instagram at Thumbprint Detroit. Blank Cass, or Blanket Coats by Cass, is focused on restoring, renewing, and reviving the history held within vintage and heirloom textiles. By embodying the love, craft, and energy that is original to each vintage textile as I transfer it into a new garment, I hope we can reteach ourselves to care for and mend what we have and make it last. Blank Cass lives on Instagram at blank underscore Cass, and a website will be launched soon at blankcass.com. Located in Whistler, Canada, Velvet Underground is a velvet jungle full of vintage and secondhand clothing, plants, a vegan cafe, and lots of rad products from other small sustainable businesses. Our mission is to create a brand and community dedicated to promoting self-expression, as well as educating and inspiring a more sustainable and conscious lifestyle, both for the people and the planet. Find us on Instagram at shop underscore velvet underground or online at www.shopvelvetunderground.com. St. Evans is a New York City-based vintage shop that is dedicated to bringing you those special pieces you'll reach for again and again. More than just a store, St. Evans is dedicated to sharing the stories and history behind the garments. 10% of all sales are donated to a different charitable organization each month. For the month of October, St. Evans is supporting Feed the Streets LA, a community-based mutual aid organization that collects donated food, hygiene products, clothing, and educational items for face-to-face distribution. New Vintage is released every Thursday at wearstevens.com with previews of new pieces and more brought to you on Instagram at where underscore st dot evans. That's where St. Evans. Country Feedback is a mom-and-pop record shop in Tarboro, North Carolina. They specialize in used rock, country, and soul, and offer affordable vintage clothing and housewares. Do you have used records you want to sell? Country Feedback wants to buy them. Find us on Instagram at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl, or head down east and visit our brick and mortar. All are welcome at this inclusive and family-friendly record shop in the country. Republica Unicornia Yarns, handmade yarn and notions for the color obsessed, made with love and some swearing in fabulous Atlanta, Georgia by head yarn wench Kathleen. Get ready for rainbows with a side of giving a damn. Republica Unicornia is all about making your own magic using small batch, responsibly sourced, hand dyed yarns and thoughtfully made notions. 
slow fashion all the way down and discover the joy of creating your very own beautiful hand-knit, crocheted, or woven pieces. Find us on Instagram at republica underscore unicornia underscore yarns and at www.republicaunicornia.com. Picnic Wear, a slow fashion brand ethically made by hand from vintage and dead stock materials, most notably vintage towels. Founder Danny has worked in the industry as a fashion designer for over 10 years, but started Picnic Wear in response to her dissatisfaction with the industry's shortcomings. Picnic Wear recently moved to rural North Carolina, where all their sewing and accessories are now designed and cut, but the majority of their sewing is done by skilled garment workers in New York City. Their customers take comfort in knowing that all their sewists are paid well above New York City minimum wage. Picnic Wear offers minimal waste and maximum authenticity. Future vintage over future garbage. Welcome to Close Horse, the podcast that really tried to come up with a clever tagline for this episode, and I just couldn't. So if you have one, send it my way. I'm your host, as always, Amanda, and this is episode 103, which sounds way better than saying 103. Take it as you like it. There is so much stuff in this episode. Aja Barber is back for part two of our conversation about our relationships with fast fashion, better holiday gifting, and so much more. We definitely had a lot of fun recording this, and I hope you've had just as much fun listening to it. And in this episode, you'll also get to hear about the deleted chapter from Asha's book, Consumed, The Need for Collective Change, Colonialism, Climate Change, and Consumerism. If you haven't picked up this book yet, go pick it up. It is such a fun, inspiring, educational read. Seriously, do it. You're going to love it. And you're going to feel so much smarter and riled up after you read it. If you're randomly tuning in to this episode, like this is your first episode of Close Horse ever, please, well, first off, welcome. Now, please stop this one and go listen to the previous episode, 102, so you can hear the first half of my conversation with Aja because... You're missing out on a good time if you haven't listened to that one yet, and it all ties together. So go do that. We'll we'll be here. We're waiting for you. It's going to be fine. Before we jump into my conversation with Aja, we're going to hear from Elise Nye, who's totally been on the pod in the past to tell us about Depop. Elise is a woman who has a lot going on. Elise, are you getting enough sleep? Actually, you know what? I hate when people ask me that question. So we'll just assume they're all getting just the right amount of sleep. And we're also just really motivated. <laughs> anyway, Elise sells on Depop as Nyliner. She co-hosts the climate storytelling podcast, World is Burning, which go give that a listen. It's so fun. It will help you cope with your eco-anxiety. You'll also feel smarter and excited and inspired. 
And Elise is also on her way to becoming what I'm calling the Baroness of Recycled Packaging with her new project, Repackage Mailers. I'm so excited for you to hear all about this because I cannot emphasize enough that we must normalize reusing packaging. Why? Because nothing is disposable, not even those padded mailers. When we talk about overconsumption, which we talk about a lot around here, we tend to think of the things we buy, the shoes, the skincare products, the clothing, but we don't think about the packaging that they're housed in. And there, there is a lot of that, especially if you bought that item online. Though to be fair, if you bought it in a store, it definitely arrived in that store in a shit ton of packaging that was wasted, right? None of that gets reused. We use a lot of packaging, We certainly forget about all of the mailers, the plastic pillows, the bubble wrap, the shrink wrap, the boxes, all of that stuff that's being used to get that stuff from place to place. Sometimes that stuff is shipping to a warehouse in a ton of packaging where it's unpackaged and shelved, and then it's shipping back out to us in new packaging. Because that's the thing. There's a ton of new packaging in this whole cycle, in this system of getting stuff to us. According to the forest conservation group Canopy, 3 billion trees are pulped every year to produce 241 million tons of shipping boxes, cardboard mailers, and all the other paper-based packaging that is used to get stuff from point A to point B. But we can't forget the plastic waste too because those tree numbers, pretty disturbing, right? But we didn't even get to the plastic part. Amazon, for example, uses a mix of mailer types. Picture it if you've ever used Amazon. There are the fully plastic ones. They're like white with the blue writing. They're lined with plastic bubble wrap. There's also the manila paper ones that are also lined with plastic bubble wrap. I mean, there's just so much plastic involved in e-commerce. Most curbside recycling programs, meaning the little bin of recycling that you put out once a week, they don't actually accept either of these mailers. Elise will explain why that is in our conversation, but like a lot of things, it's just complicated, right? And if one of these mailers does find its way to the recycling facility where it is 100% not invited to be, If it doesn't get caught in the early part of the processing, it will often jam up all of the sorting machinery and slow down the entire recycling process. Another conservation group, Oceana, published a study in December 2020, literally right in the middle of the holiday shopping frenzy, the biggest time of year for all of this packaging consumption and waste. And this study was called Amazon's plastic problem revealed. And I'll share it in the show notes. It's it's alarming. We're only talking about one retailer here. And yes, it's a massive one. But we have to realize that a lot of the numbers I'm about to give you are in one way or another applicable to any other large retailer out there on the planet right now. The study found that Amazon generated 465 million pounds of plastic packaging waste in 2019. That year alone, 2019 once again, the number of air pillows that Amazon used 
could circle the globe 500 times. Oceana went on to estimate that more than 22 million pounds of Amazon's plastic packaging ended up in the world's freshwater and marine ecosystems as pollution in that same year. If you don't have your calculator readily available like me, that means you're a normal person and that's okay. That's about 20% of the plastic waste that Amazon generated in 2019, ending up in our waterways. Or according to the study, quote, roughly equivalent to a delivery van's worth of plastic being dumped into major rivers, lakes, and the oceans every 70 minutes. It's horrifying, right? And like I said before, that's just one, albeit massive, retailer. And more importantly, that was just based on 2019 data. We have to remember, 2019 was what we like to call the before times. 2020, different story. Experts in this area of both e-commerce and packaging waste and packaging consumption agree that 2020 was probably significantly bigger in terms of packaging consumption and waste because online sales saw just like epic growth throughout the year. I want to say in the last quarter of the year, we were talking about like the holiday shopping season, Amazon sales alone were up almost 40% over the previous year. What does that mean? It means even more shipping packaging was required to ship those orders out. And this growth in e-commerce, aka online shopping, that was a worldwide phenomenon. So not just Amazon seeing a lot of growth there. Here's the thing, and it's going to sound... It's, well, it sounds depressing, but you're probably already depressed already with all the facts I just threw at you. We need that packaging to protect the stuff inside it because often the resources and materials required to produce the contents of all those packages, aka the stuff we bought, the resources there outweigh the resources used to create the shipping packaging. Without the packaging, these items can be damaged or even destroyed, which is actually more wasteful than the packaging waste itself. Does that make sense? It's called the embodied environmental investment. It takes way more resources to replace the damaged shoes you received than it does to create the packaging that they're in to protect them. So unfortunately... We need these mailers and boxes and plastic pillows and bubble wrap, all of it. And yes, companies do need to invest the money to develop more biodegradable and recyclable options for sure. They are complicit in this. They need to work on ways to mitigate, aka reduce, the amount of packaging being used in the first place. They need to, you know, combine orders together instead of shipping them one by one from all of these different hubs all over the country and the world. There are things that big corporations can do to change this, for sure. But the reality is that no matter what, creating and recycling packaging still uses a lot of energy and other resources, even if that packaging is biodegradable, even if it's plastic-free, even if it can be recycled multiple times. But reusing packaging that already exists, just like shopping secondhand first, minimizes the impact of those materials 
while maximizing their use. Because once again, nothing is disposable. Nothing, I mean, okay, there are a few things that are single use. You know what they are. I don't need to list them. But in general, packaging does not need to be single use because it just can't be by the nature of the materials and its life cycle. That plastic mailer that you receive from Amazon is going to be on this earth longer than you. So let's get a lot of use out of it, right? Elise is here to tell us all about her mission to normalize reusing packaging and make it a lot easier for us to do so. So let's jump right in. All right, Elise, I mean, you've, you're you're part of the community. Everybody knows you, but why don't you reintroduce yourself or introduce yourself to people who've never met you before? So I am Elise Nye. I am currently living in Austin. I have a um, Depop shop called Nyliner, which has kind of led me to this new project I have started called Repackage. Um, that's all about reusing packaging, mailers, bubble wrap, and basically keeping filmy plastic out of landfills. I mean, I'm obsessed with this. When I think about the packaging waste, you know, when people think about overconsumption, right? They're thinking about the mm-hmm. actual things they overconsumed, the shirt, mm-hmm. the shoes, the iPhone. But the packaging is just as bad, if not worse in some situations. Yeah, yeah, bulk-wise. Um, especially like if you think of certain Amazon purchases, like it'll be such small things or so many small individual orders coming mm-hmm. in their own big mailers. Totally. I'm obsessed with my buy nothing group. Um, I'm always picking up stuff from there. Um, and I just love seeing what people post, but mm-hmm. yeah, I started reusing packaging from just my own online orders for my shop. Um, And then I saw people posting like, you know, little grocery bags full of mailers being like, hey, can anybody use these? And I would be like, yes, I would love I would love them. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I'll take them off your hands. Um, Never actually posting and asking myself. And then people would come in the comments of those posts and be like, hey, do you want mine, too? (laughs) Um, And I was like, sure, I'll take I'll take it. Um, And then. One one day when <laughs> I had just picked up about one house had like eight grocery bags filled with mailers. So what? I like like so many um, and I had them all in my house. And basically, literally in the hour after I went and picked them up, I saw Depop had posted a thing about um doing micro grants for people who had ideas for uh, environmental sustainability projects. And I was like, okay, I have two mailers, too many mailers for myself right now. Um, (laughs) What if I can help get these into the hands of other small business owners, online sellers, people shipping things to reuse them Uh um, because they're free and um, packaging can be expensive, especially if you're looking for environmentally friendly options so that's kind of where the whole thing started luckily depop chose my project um so they've given me a little bit of funding to 
you know, get organized. I have a nice shelf to keep the mailers so I don't just have bags of uh, <laughs> bags of mailers like shoved precariously yeah. in my closet, <laughs> which is exactly how it w- was uh, before. Um, so yeah, it's all been really, really exciting. And I've kind of been able to expand. I've only been doing, I, th- I did my second mailer pickup last week. And I've already kind of started expanding into things that I didn't really expect to. Um, Like there is a woman who is starting a chicken CSA at the top of next year Mm -hmm. who wants to reuse as much packaging as possible. So she asked me if I could collect um, like the freezer thermal bags and ice packs that come in a lot of like meal kit delivery, grocery delivery things. I love that. And collect those for her. And we're doing a little trade. She's going to give me some chicken and eggs. I'm going to give her mailers. So it's kind of just, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited about that. Me too. Also, those freezer things that come in meal kits mm-hmm. give me so much eco-anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully I will be able to ha- like get as many of those reused. I know like I – sometimes order from Imperfect Foods and they take them back to reuse. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a lot don't. So, you know, I'm just like, where where can we get this filmy plastic? Where is it going to be mm-hmm. tossed? And wh- how can we get it to people who can use it at least once, maybe even, you know, more times than that? Yeah. Thinking about the sheer volume of packaging, brand new packaging that is mm-hmm. just being churned out every day and then making its way for the most part into the landfill. I, mm-hmm. I'm i all about like how can we reuse it? But something – I've brought this up on Instagram multiple times and some people have been like every time I do that with my Poshmark store, someone leaves me a bad review. So how do we destigmatize secondhand packaging. I can't even believe we have to have this conversation, yeah. but like apparently yeah. we do. Yeah. I I think it's so interesting because I feel like I've I've heard you say that and I wonder if there is a just like a different like customer base on Poshmark. Mm, definitely. Um, definitely. Because like I I've pretty much almost always reused packaging for my Depop shop. Um a lot of times I I like didn't have enough to reuse, so I, I did use some like new ones, but um, I've never gotten a complaint about that. Um, I've only gotten reviews that have been like, oh, so awesome. It came in reused packaging. Like, love it. It's so green. Um, so, but I know that is a concern. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've made little like thank you cards for customers if if you know if anyone wants to use mailers from me they can get these cards if they have concerns about it to stick in they're like made from recycled paper they can be recycled um but just honestly even just to get people thinking about it get customers people who buy online to think about the the packaging that they're getting too (laughs) yeah um in addition to thanking them like you know this is one less mailer that's going to end up in the trash um so I think part of it is just creating a conversation around it. Mm-hmm. And if you can interrupt that thought of like maybe this packaging isn't the prettiest with, you know, a note or, you know, I I always like wrap my orders in tissue paper inside um, the reused 
mailer. So just kind of disrupting that thought of like, this isn't the prettiest. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think, I mean, even just think about like the first example of greenwashing ever, which was the little notes in the hotels that ask you to basically reuse your towels Mm. and, and, you know, save the planet. I mean, it's a little overstated there, but I know that a lot of people reuse their towels in hotels now and don't think anything of it, aren't like, ugh, this is so cheap of the hotel, you know? Yeah. And I think sort of it's unfortunate that at this point you would have to put notes in with your packages, but it's a start until people get used to it. It's so weird to me that people get upset about that, but I've I've gotten weird comments on Poshmark for it. And I agree, Mm -hmm. Poshmark is not like a sustainability-focused platform. It's not. It's people looking yeah. for deals on clothes. It's like it has a very different energy than Depop, uh-huh. I would say. And I'm and not in a bad way. It's just it's just different. Uh-huh. And I know that Poshmark encourages sellers to use tissue and put mm-hmm. in notes and all of this stuff and I think maybe that was that made sense for the early days of Poshmark because you had to convince people that buying secondhand was mm-hmm. like a desirable experience. But do we need to do that anymore? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like like there has to be some sort of differentiation between small sellers online. Um, and like, I mean, a lot of people aren't actually doing Poshmark or Depop as a business. A lot of people are just like, I'm not a huge fan of this shirt anymore, so I'm going to send it out. So yeah. I'm also like, are we expecting those people to go out and purchase like, a lot of packaging to ship out their stuff. Like, I don't know what that expectation is. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? agreed, agreed. Um, yeah, it's weird when you say it that way. You're like, yeah, what the <laughs> they're heck, They're not people? a business. Like, they're just, like, trying to yeah. give your, their shirt to you for cheap. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, I think there has to be, like, small sellers, small businesses. Um, and I think a lot of small businesses have, like, beautiful customized packaging, which is, you know, awesome but um like small businesses can function differently than large corporations like amazon like we can recycle we can reuse um it's possible for us to do that um and so i just think there should be a different expectation um it's not worse um it's not like it's like a lower quality product if it's coming in a Mm -hmm. uh, reused reused mailer um you know, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I mean, I know that we like judge a book by its cover mm-hmm. and all of that, but yeah. <laughs> it's just the packaging. Yeah. Also, the <laughs> the outside, like, I, it's like gonna go through the mail. So it like, chances are yeah. it's gonna get all rumpled and dirty and like gross, like even if it was the most beautiful, pristine thing. So I feel like the outside of packaging, sh- there should be way less focus on that because the amount of times I've gotten mailers that are just like so disgusting um that is yeah. no fault yeah. of the the seller um which I mean I feel like that's a whole other thing I feel like a lot of people um uh, kind of lump together like, like the transportation of a package the shipping whatever with like the sellers themselves or the company themselves <laughs> so it's just like you know sellers aren't responsible for how dirty the package is how long it takes that's just like a different thing but again I know yeah. so my thing is if you start off with a pristine uh mailer chances are when it gets to the customer it isn't gonna look quite the same so 
Why stress about it? Yeah. And knowing that in most cases anyway, that mailer is going to go directly in the trash after the person opens yeah. it. Like it just it's just like why? It's a waste of your money. Yeah. It's a waste of resources. It just adds more stuff to the landfill. Uh-huh. And so I'm constantly like, please, everyone, normalize reusing packaging. Like we just we just have to do it. Mm-hmm. And then Anyone who wants to be a sourpuss about it will be in the mi- minority and realize they have to just give it up, that yeah. there are more important things to be upset about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, if you if you go to someone's shop and you scroll through their reviews and, like, their negative feedback is that they reuse packaging, like, is that really negative feedback? Like, that's, you know, not saying much. That's saying more about the person who's buying um, if they're coming at that from a negative a negative way. Agreed. Agreed. I totally agree. So, okay. So you are doing this in Austin, mm-hmm. right? Um, I guess right now, I mean, do you know of anybody else doing this in the way you are in other cities? I I don't. Um, I hope other people do. I've had a couple people from other cities reach out to me asking if I can ship them packaging or if they could ship me packaging. And I was like, no, please don't do that. Um, Because (laughs) like one. So like, let's say you are a seller in a city that is not Austin. If you go to your buy nothing group or you find any like Austin or not Austin, because I live in Austin. If you find like whatever city's zero waste Facebook group and you just ask people, I guarantee you will get more mailers within 24 hours than you could possibly use. And if you dig harder, (laughs) like you will have an entire room that's like half dedicated to storing this stuff because that is where I'm at at this point. Um, So like it's so easy to find like everyone pretty much orders online now. Like this is a very plentiful resource pretty much everywhere that is yeah. free. So like never pay for for packaging again is what I'm saying because it's so easy with a minimal amount of work. Um, like I've mm-hmm. obviously tried to like do pickups to make it really easy for people to to recycle them um, and start thinking about saving them and stuff. But like if you don't need to do that constantly like it's so easy to do so if you are a seller or have a small business in another city and are interested in doing this like just put like the smallest of feelers out on Facebook or even on Instagram um or like ask your neighbors to start saving them like it's so easy to do this yourself (laughs) if you want to um so that's like what I would recommend I if anyone else is doing this in other cities like let's be friends um but yeah um, yeah yeah and if you're in a city and you want to start saving your mailers like again like post it on like join your buy nothing group post that you have them see if anyone can reuse them um and hopefully this is just like I would love for this just start to become a normal practice and for me not to have to go around and do pickups and whatever (laughs) Like everyone, like it's so it's really so easy to do if you connect with a couple people in your neighborhood that do regular online orders. Um, And, you know, hopefully one day corporations will decide to have better packaging that is, you know, 
either biodegradable, reusable, whatever, something better than what is happening right now. And maybe it won't even be an issue. So hopefully, you know, that's where this will head <laughs> someday. Absolutely. Someday. I feel like it's a while off because uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been to some trade shows where there's like a booth. It's always like fashion trade shows, but there'll be mm-hmm. a booth or two with people who are offering more sustainable packaging and labeling and hang tag mm-hmm. options. And they're always really cool, like things that are made of cornstarch and dissolve mm-hmm. in water. Like how cool is that? You know, knowing that most labels and whatnot are made of polyester um, yeah. or, you know, packaging that can be backyard compostable, things like that. It's always really mm-hmm. exciting. The problem is that it's a lot more expensive. I mean, not uh-huh. – not, that much more expensive, but for all of these retailers who are trying to cut every penny in every mm-hmm. possible way, they don't want to pay five cents extra for a mailer just because yeah. it's better for the planet. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's depressing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and my thing too, like a big thing that I want to emphasize is like when you're looking at packaging, like even if something is made of recycled plastic or is like biodegradable or whatever like it's still it's still taking resources and energy Mm -hmm. to make those products and so if you can just reuse something that already exists even if it is a super like unenvironmentally friendly plastic amazon mailer like finding that and like reusing it is going to be better than buying something new always always yeah I think that's a really good one to call out because I think, you know, there's a lot of confusion, uh, misconception, I think, and I think that's intentional that Mm -hmm. if something is recycled or biodegradable, that it's fine to waste it, to view it as disposable, but it still took a lot of resources to create that. And you should honor that by getting as much use as you can out of it. Yeah. And like, I know that, um, like the whole the whole thing of being able to recycle mailers like the amazon ones have the little like i'm recyclable like go to this site to figure out how and there are like a couple <laughs> drop boxes and also something that makes me so furious that like is the um mailers with the like yellow paper on them mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the plastic and paper ones to recycle that you have to rip all of the pa- like peel all the paper off of the bubble wrap to be able to recycle it and like who is doing that because like no I, one I I feel <laughs> like I, I have this project like to recycle mailers and I honestly like just being fully honest here like I don't think I'm willing to do that to recycle them um, <laughs> no so- no and I I actually like the companies that take back their mailers like Amazon uh-huh. I'm I mean, this This is – I have no proof of this. This is just me speculating. I am highly skeptical that they are actually recycling those mailers because they have uh-huh. to pay someone to take them apart like that. Yeah. And I just yeah. I just no. know how it works. I mean, we talk about the myth of clothing recycling all the time here, and I have no mm-hmm. doubt that mailers are the same way. Yeah. And then, and then if they are recycled, I know like a big thing that – plastic like that has turned into is like decks like plastic wood for decks which Mm -hmm. then like that's kind of where it is forever which is I mean cool if people are going to use their decks forever fine but like it's not like (laughs) like kind of like it's not going to be made into mailers again and again it's just like it turns into somebody's deck and then we need more plastic 
to make the other mailers. So exactly, and it's, there's yeah. only so many decks out there. Yeah, how how you many know? people are building decks? Um, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm just hoping that um, like I would love to connect with more um, small businesses in Austin. Like I would love to talk to people again to make secondhand packaging accessible um like appealing to customers again with like little thank yous um just make it as easy as possible to reuse this and receive packages in secondhand things um yeah and keep plastic out of landfills because it's disgusting totally keep plastic out of landfills we have enough decks you know, all important <laughs> things to think about. All the important <laughs> things. Exactly. All, all the important things. So uh, at least you just want to mention again where everybody can find you because like yes. I am obsessed with the idea of this becoming like pockets of this in every neighborhood, in every city, mm-hmm. in every town, all over this country. I think this is a great way for us to keep packaging out of the landfill, save ourselves some money, but also Mm -hmm. build community with other people who are sellers Mm -hmm. that are out there. Um, So tell everyone how they can contact you with questions, et cetera. Yes. So uh, on Instagram, I am at repackage mailers. Um, you can. I also would love to feature if you reuse packaging, even if you don't get it from me, I would love to see you pack up your order and like how you do it with reused materials. Um, so if that sounds like you, I would love to feature your shop, your whatever, your business. Um, so I'd love to share that. Um, uh, I also have a fun little raccoon character uh, named Rooney on my Instagram, again, repackage mailers. Uh, and they share little plastic facts and tell you to keep your mailers out of the trash. Um, I figured it would be more fun to be nagged by a raccoon than by me. Um, (laughs) I'm very pro uh, raccoon, so I support this. Yeah. So, so that's, that's fun. It won't, I promise it won't be me nagging you. It will be a raccoon. So if that makes it any more appealing, (laughs) <laughs> Give me a follow. Um, and then uh, if you want to email me, if you have any ideas or anything, um, repackagemailers at gmail.com. Um, and if you live in Austin and want to sign up for mailer uh, mailer pickups, I have that linked in the Instagram bio. Um, so you can sign up. And if you want mailers from me, just send me a DM and we'll figure out what sizes you need, how many you need. And also if you need bubble wrap, because that's another thing. So if you have fragile things that wouldn't make sense to sh- ship in a mailer, I have so much bubble wrap. Um, so, yeah, awesome. I love this. I want. I'm. I'm like, how can we make everybody do this right now? <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Elise, for sharing this with us, and I hope you get tons of emails asking you for advice, but not like too many, like the perfect amount of emails, the perfect amount. Yes. So that, and everybody is out there just reusing packaging like crazy. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks again to Elise for dropping by to tell us all about repackaged mailers. I hope all of you are super inspired to start your own community packaging reuse group or service, whatever you want to call it. 
or at the very least, to reuse your own packaging. It all starts with us. I know that feels unfair, but like we say around here all the time, one person can't make a difference on their own, but when all of us are doing it together, we can create massive change. And packaging is just one way we can get there. I'll share all of Elise's contact info in the show notes so you can reach out to her with all of your questions. Let's get this going. Okay, well, this episode is turning into a very long one, and I know you have other things to do right now. I mean, it is fall. We're coming up on Halloween. You've got spooky things to do. So let's just jump right back into my conversation with Aja. And once again, don't start this part of the episode if you haven't listened to the first half because you are missing out on some solid gold, five stars, inspiring conversation. So go do that and then come back. Uh, A revealing exercise for a lot of people to do would be to actually add up how much they've bought from different brands in the past year, two years, three years, and think about that money. Yeah. What that could have done for you. Honestly, I went through a phase um, when my daughter was a baby and I was a single mom where I was like, and broke, you know, like working retail for the evil retailer we talked about. And I would think if only I had all the money I'd spent at bars before I had Dylan, Mm -hmm. I would be living a completely different life right now. (laughs) I mean, that's an exaggeration. That makes me sound like I was an alcoholic, but. No, but it it does add up. I mean, I live in the UK and I know it, it adds up going out and eating or going out and drinking. That stuff adds up for me. That was my turning point. So I was third time living with good old mom and dad in the basement. And (laughs) one year, and I don't know why I did this, I was saving all my receipts and I just found them. And I thought, let me add up how much I gave this billionaire. And I wanted to punch myself. I was so mad because that year on my tax return, it clearly states I had only made like $12,000 and I gave over a grand to Stefan Pearson. And I was mad at myself. I was just like, and on top of that, I paid my parents rent. And I was just like, this is why I can't save money because I don't even notice that I'm doing it. So I have to stop doing it. You think, oh, what's a little purchase here and there, but you don't keep track of it. And you tell yourself it's cheap and you tell yourself it's part of your personality and you tell yourself you need to shop this way because you can't afford better things. And I can also tell you this, when you're not buying 68 items of clothing a year, that dress that costs 100 to $200, you can do that. You really can, especially if you're only getting three or four dresses. Yes. Thank you for saying that because this is a, that's a difficult conversation to have with people. And I want to start by saying I'm not shaming anyone for shopping fast fashion. We all yeah. have a complicated relationship. I shopped it. We're talk, I'm talking about my past here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like this – I worked in the industry. I might have made something that you have worn. Or your sister yeah. wore or something, you know. Probably. You probably did. And uh, I, I'm i not telling people like they need to feel bad about shopping fast fashion. I'm not telling people that they should only buy really expensive clothes. But what I will tell them is that if they buy a lot less, they will have a lot more money to buy nice things no matter how it's, little money No matter they have. how you slice and dice it. And what we can say, and this is just not a lie, the average fast fashion consumer in America buys 68 items of clothing a year. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's more clothing than we need. And we know that. Mm -hmm. So like, let's let's all be honest and cut the crap a little bit. 
You know, there are some people where their income level means that that is the only thing that they can afford. I'm not saying that you're a bad person because you can only afford that brand. But what I am saying is, do you need that much of that brand? Right, right. All of us can say, I'm only going to buy 30 items this year. And so they need to be good. Now, those of us that know that we have the money to do better can say, I'm only going to buy 30 items this year and I'm going to buy them from only sustainable and ethical brands. We could do that. If you, if you know you're that person, be honest about it and do it. You know, but this whole thing of everyone being like, I'm so poor. I am, it's, it's not true and it's not fair to pin that on poor people. Like uh, this system isn't economically viable because of poor people. And one of the things that I researched in the book, because this myth annoys the shit out of me, <laughs> is the wealth breakdown of America. So poor and working class people in America, guess how much, what percentage of wealth is the poor and working class in America? Like all the wealth put together. Is it like 1%? It's 4%. Wow. 4%. Okay. So like, that 4% of all of America's wealth did not make this person a billionaire, did no. not make that person a billionaire. Okay. And America is the second biggest consumer of fast fashion. China is actually the biggest consumer, but that is only because their population is so much bigger than ours. Per head, America buys the most fast fashion. The call is coming from inside the house. It's us. So like, regardless of where you're at, if you are the person who, like me, only made $10,000 that year, I'm not saying you have to go out and buy a $10, you know, a $100 dress. All I'm saying is you don't have to give your money to that person. You don't have to, you don't have to participate in the system the way you always have. You can, we can all stand to change it up a little bit, but mostly we can all stand to just buy less stuff. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that's step one. I mean, even just thinking about like, okay, the average person is buying 60 garments a year and let's- 68, 68. 68. Okay. So I've got my calculator here. Let's say, mm -hmm. so we're buying 68. Let's just say we're only paying $20 for them, which we know is mm -hmm. probably below average, but it's, it, it's probably close enough because, you know, there's all those like hot deals out there. So yeah. right there, we have every person spending $1,360 on clothes every year. What if they yeah. only bought three things? Well, you could exactly. be like buying like really fancy shit. You, you could be, if you, if you only bought three things and you took care of it, now you might need more than that. Right. You, might you need, need underwear like, and things. Underpants. I get it. Yeah. Mix it up. But I also say for like all the fancy shit that I have, and I do have some fancy brands, the vast majority of them have been purchased secondhand because who can afford that stuff brand new? Right. Not me. You know, <laughs> right. so people will come to my page and just make hella assumptions. And like, granted, my financial situation has changed. I'm, you know, now an author, but don't worry, I'm not rich. I still live in a two bedroom flat in <laughs> South London. Um, but, you know, I know that my situation has changed. But even before my situation changed, I was still shopping this way. I was still the person where I would watch the runway shows of designers that I liked today. I went and did a talk and I wore a Donna Karen 2012 blazer <laughs> and the blazer. And this is also how abundant clothing is. It was actually a runway blazer. It cost over a thousand dollars full price. This is how abundant clothing is. I fell in love with the blazer. I bought the blazer five, six years ago on eBay. I paid $80 for a blazer that once cost well over a thousand dollars. Okay. This blazer was in a size eight. 
I got it. It fit me fine. Guess what? I'm no longer a size eight. Like I got uterine fibroids. I'm big in the waist now. Mm -hmm. So I ended up selling that blazer to a personal styling client of mine for a little bit less than that. And she loves it. It fits her perfectly. The same blazer came up on another site in a size 14 and I snatched (laughs) it up and that was what I wore today. These are runway pieces. So like there is such abundance of clothing on this earth and no, I'm never going to be able to buy a $1,200 blazer, but I can find it. And that's always been how I've gotten the more pricey things in my wardrobe. I mean, I love the brand Marameco. The vast majority of the Marameco I own was bought secondhand. It is, it is pricey, but I would argue as a brand, they've done a very good job until recently of really maintaining their integrity and not really joining the fast fashion circus in the same way. So I was okay with like paying an upmarket price tag for them, but I still bought it secondhand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's various ways that we can change how we interact with this system, but just handing over your money so easily to like a company that isn't doing anything fair or right. It's just not the way forward, babes. I want better for y'all. Yeah, me too. I want better for all of us and for everyone else involved. I think, you know, something that I think about a lot is all those fast fashion clothes that I've bought, and trust me, I've bought a lot of them. How many of them actually made me feel good to wear? How did I look in the mirror and say like, damn, you look good. A very yeah. small percentage. None of them fit that well. They smushed my boobs into a rectangle. Yeah. I, they were riding up all night. The zipper was hard to pull up and made me feel bad about my body. You know, I couldn't figure out what bra to wear with it. Like, it just – it just I wasn't comfortable and I didn't feel my best self in a lot of those yeah. clothes. Why should we give our money – why should we pay someone to not only do terrible things to the other people and on the planet and the planet itself, mm-hmm. but also make us feel like shit? Why would we exactly. do that? Exactly. And, and yeah, I, there is such a difference now in fit based off of the brands that I buy now. And I'm lucky, like I literally, you know, can call Laura and be like, let's make this. And I get it. Like, I know that I am speaking from a privileged position mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. but it was not always that way for me. And I, I want people to understand it's a journey. The vast majority of my clothing and my wardrobe, I have bought myself Um, 50% of it is not new, but that's okay. It still looks awesome. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's all about switching it up. And I'm still not an incredibly rich person, but I think it's possible to have a wardrobe that makes you feel good without always feeling like the first thing you have to do is run to that fast fashion store and buy everything off the mannequin. Totally. Totally. This has been so fun. I'm having such a good time. <laughs> I'm like, can you just come over to my house so we can? Like, I know. Let's just like have a drink and just talk crap about yeah, like, yeah, exactly. For, I'm like, I've got stories. I know you've got stories. Let's get your sister on Zoom and we can talk. She some would. More. She will talk all day about working there. Like it clearly was not the best time, but now she like has found the humor in it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while. I, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend recently and I was like, you know, something that we don't talk about enough is that the realization and accepting that you can be traumatized at work, 
that you can experience yeah. trauma at work and it, and really require a lot of time and work to cope with it and recover yes. from it. And I think we tend to see like, you, what are you like, a weakling? What are you like, yeah. can't handle it? Like I, the one job I told you about that didn't give us health insurance and was like totally toxic and monstrous, the boss there would be like, you're just not cut up for a startup business if you can't handle yeah. this. It's not for everyone, but like in a shamey way, like mm-hmm. you, you're just not good enough, you know? Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, all kinds of jobs are filled with this, but man, fashion and retail, there is so much trauma that no one mm-hmm. ever talks about. TV, I had to take several sabbaticals from it. Like there, I would have a job that would traumatize me and I would be like, I, and that was why I would always like end up moving to New York and being like, <laughs> I intern at this magazine. That was also traumatizing. <laughs> that was on a TV sabbatical. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like one job after another where I'm like, that was traumatic. These things yeah. happened at work that I had to try to like internalize and mm-hmm. deal with later. And I'm still recovering, you know, and I, I love the idea of us being more blunt. I mean, it's unfortunate yeah. that like there are so many not NDAs and whatnot out there that keep people from speaking their truth, but I can. Exactly. Ass- and they exist for a reason. They exist for a reason. I can assure anyone who's listening to this, name a brand out there that you love that's like a big brand. Is it Nike? Mm-hmm. Is it Zara? Is it any store you can find at the mall? I guarantee if those people who work for those companies were allowed to tell their stories, you would never shop there again. I agree. I completely agree. And the only person that's like really like every now and then we all work with like one bootlicker and I don't really, I don't rate those people. No, like any no. person, any person that tries to make you clean up another human's waste is like a bootlicker. So don't trust them. Yeah. Basically. And you know what? I feel sorry for them because they're being sold some uh, false bill of goods too that they are like, they're going to get some sort of they loyalty really from that company. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to, that company doesn't feel loyal to them they either. They really care about me. And it's like, honey, they don't. They really don't. They don't. They don't. They absolutely do not. So the one last thing I wanted to talk to you about, I know we've been talking for a really long time. Um, If you need to go, it's fine. But uh, I, last year, you know, we're getting into the holiday season, right? Mm -hmm. And last year you were talking a lot on Instagram and Twitter and just like, I was like, thank, I'm just so grateful that someone is talking about this. And it was like all of the crazy gift giving and consumption associated with like Christmas, Hanukkah, all the winter holidays. Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, what's your approach to holiday gift giving now? Only get people things that they really, really want or need. That's really it. I do not buy presents just to buy presents. I would sooner just give someone money. I really would. I'd sooner be like, here, pay your bill than me be like, Here's some cheap piece of plastic that you're not going to really want and can't really return. Enjoy. Merry Christmas. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I don't I don't know about you. I mean, your sister sounds really cool, right? So, and your mom is cool too. So, you probably didn't have the same situation, but I tried to have conversations like that with some people in my life and they were like, "Wow, you just like can't enjoy life at all." No, we don't we don't buy presents in our family for we we don't buy presents just to buy presents. It has to be perishable like like for instance with my niece and nephew my sister is like do not get these kids any more junk they have so much (laughs) stuff they don't need anything I'm like can I buy them clothes she's like no it's so hard with the kids you want to give them everything right I get exactly yeah she buys most of their clothing secondhand and so 
it's really hard. But the one thing she always lets me get them is products from Lush because it's a treat and it's perishable and it gets used up. It's not something that they're going to get every day because, you know, Lush is up market price tag, Mm -hmm. but it is something that's fun. It gets them in the bathtub or shower (laughs) and it's, it's a treat. And so, you know, we really are very much about getting people things that they actually want or need, but like just buying things just to buy things. We don't do that in our family. I'd sooner just give you an envelope full of cash. That's, that's, that to me is way more useful than being like, I have to get you a thingy. So you have a thingy. That person is also like, great. Now I'm stuck with this thingy. And it just, it's a waste of your money. It's a waste of planetary resources and it's just not cool. We have to stop that whole giving a present just to give a present. And like, oftentimes people will also be like, oh, well, this thing that this person needs, I can't really afford it. So let me get them something cheaper that they don't want and have never totally. desired. Totally. Get together with some friends and get them the thing that they want. Like, come on, people, let's get it together. You know, like if that thing is out of your budget and, you know, the person really wants it. Start calling down the line. Hey, so-and-so, are you getting so-and-so a present? Okay, well, do you want to go in with me on this? That's There are so many ways that we can do this, but let's just all stop buying crap. You know, I would rather a friend make me some bath salts, which there are a lot of recipes where you can just do that really easily on Pinterest if you're interested in doing that, than buy me something that they that they felt compelled to spend money on because they felt like they had to do it. You know, like... There's just, I I love homemade cosmetics. I love stuff like that. So like, let's just all stop buying useless crap. And maybe if we all stop buying it, companies will stop making it. That's my hope. That'd be a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. I find that like, as we get into this time of year, I can't even walk into a store without just getting instantly depressed, seeing all the things that I know no one really wants that they're going to receive. And I just, it's like a habit we have to break. And I found like with my family, it was just getting out of control because I have two sisters and they all have Mm -hmm. partners. And then, you know, I have my husband and then we had to like get a gift for all the sisters and the partners. And then also a gift from Dustin, my husband, to all the sisters and the partners. And it was like, we were coming home with all this stuff. And I finally was like, we have to stop this. Like I would rather you, instead of you buying me a gift, why don't you use that money and go on a trip or go out for dinner? Or like, I just want you to have like the best life and giving me a gift, it doesn't get you there. Last year, my sister got me secondhand Ugg boots from Poshmark. Whoa, that's a good gift. It's a good gift. They're so cozy. And, you know, my I got my niece here a Michael Kors bag. I'm not really into Michael Kors, but she is. But hers is real. And, like, some of her friends are fake. And I got it, you know, for probably the price of a fake, but it's real. And I got it from Vestier. You know, I got my partner a, a used Come de Garçon hoodie, you know? So, like let's start being more creative. It doesn't have to be new. It doesn't have to be from a store. It doesn't have to be a shiny piece of plastic. We can actually do all the things. Let's change the nature of how we do gift giving because I think it's a win-win for everyone. It is. It's way more fun too. It's way more fun. Because giving gifts is fun. You know, I get it. And my sister-in-law got me a secondhand handbag last Christmas, which I love. So, you know, let's Let's think out of the box here, but we have to get away from this idea that new is the only acceptable way to give a present and that if you don't know what to get someone, just get them anything. And 
I think I started thinking about this when my older sister was like getting married and having them babies because all I could think was people gave her so much crap that she didn't want. Uh, and so I am the opposite of that. I'm like, Steve and I did not have a registry. We were like, do not buy us a present. We do not want it. Like we live in a flat. We barely have enough room for what we already yeah, own. Please yeah. do not buy us anything. And only a few people got like offended. But you know what? If they get offended, fuck them. It's my life, not theirs. You right. Know? right. I, yeah. You're offended that I don't want something I never asked for. Weird. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like seeing how my older sister just got weighed down with stuff through all of those like milestones that she was hitting when my niece was born. Oh my God, if you, if I ever get pregnant and you buy my baby some of that horrible gender stuff, that is going in a giveaway bag immediately. Like I will have a, like I'm going to be that person that's like gender neutral clothing all the way. No, I'm not going to have some reveal where you can marvel at my child's genitals. It's weird. Get it together, humanity. If it's not gender neutral, I don't want it. It's a baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a baby. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I I'm I'm that person, but I think the more I double down on it, the more people in my family are like, Yeah, that does make sense. And I think we're really good about gift giving and not, you know, like even my, my older sister came here just recently and she was like Oh, you know, I was like, oh, I want to buy a present for the kids. And she did tell me she was like, okay, well, you know, they Liam needs pajamas. Pajamas look like knickers on him. Like they were like <laughs> practically up to his knees. And so I was like, oh, there's this really cute company that I've been wanting to support that makes beautiful kids pajamas. And they were so excited. They were like, we got pajamas from England. So cool. But I wasn't like, oh, let's go and buy them a bunch of like souvenirs that you're going to hate and be like, what am I going to do with this yeah, plastic crap? You know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. No, I think, I think it like, it's interesting. Like you talked about how like with your family, like now, you know, it's like catching on in a bigger way. Right. And I think, yeah. I think that, you know, we have lived in a world for so long where we let brands or blogs or magazines or influencers tell us what we should and should not do. And yes. really, we have so much power to influence the people around us and Absolutely. make change. And that's like, that's one that like spreads. And, and, you know, when I changed how I was interacting with all these systems, I have to say my best friend changed at the same time as me. It was like, we used to be like, oh, this designer collection's dropping at Target. Let's go. <laughs> and like now we we just got to a point where we were like, we don't want to always buy clothing together. And so, and, and nobody ever really said it. It was unspoken. We just stopped and we started instead going to see movies more and, mm -hmm. and going to museums and going on hikes and volunteering. You know, this was the stuff that we really... That was how we started hanging out together. And it totally changed our life for the better. Like we don't miss going and buying tons of crap together. It's way more fun to do cool things together and to have experiences. So you can totally change the culture of like, and the nature of some of your friendships. Now, some of your friends will not be into it at all. So like some friendships we do outgrow and we mm -hmm. change and maybe our friends aren't going to change with us. But the best friends that you have, they're totally going to be like, yeah, right on, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. That's how it starts, man. You just got to mm -hmm. be the one who's like, hey, what if we did this and see how yeah. it goes? 
Exactly. And it, like I said, completely unspoken. It just it just happened gradually on its own, the shift. I mean, that makes me really happy. I was telling a friend recently, I was recalling in the early days of online dating on OkCupid, <laughs> I would always see people on there who were like, things you do in your free time or your interests or hobbies, or whatever, it would always be shopping. And I would mm-hmm. be like, whoa, is shopping an identity? Yeah. Is shopping a hobby? Like, we need to stop. And this was like at least 10 years ago. I was like, maybe, maybe consumerism has gone out of control because we consider it a hobby now and part of our identity. And I just like hearing you talking about going to museums and seeing movies with your friends. I mean, first off, it made me really jealous of the before times when I could do all that stuff. But also- Oh, I miss my friend. <laughs> I miss her so much. Like, you know, we live 3,000 miles away from each other now. So I'm, I'm jealous of those times. <laughs> but I mean, I agree. So much more fun and meaningful to do those things than to go shopping. Like you don't – you're not going to be like, oh, remember that time we went to Target – and you bought this and I bought that. Like, no, you're, but you're going to be like, remember that time we saw this movie and we have all these inside jokes about it? Like, that, yeah. that's, that's real life. That's real life. And, like, I would say there was only, like, one item that we bought at Target that we were both like, that was a good dress. <laughs> <laughs> but that is not to encourage you. Because one time. We, you we know? bought a lot of stuff. That was probably one out of 100. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, that will happen. Like, sometimes you're going to shop with someone and it's going to be great. But, like, most of the time, yeah. it's just a blur. I'm telling you, one out of 100. Yeah, yeah. And then even that, like, I'm like, that's some pretty good odds right there. <laughs> no, right? But um, but no, we we laugh about things like, um, so we used to do this present drive at my mom's church. And my mom goes to a, a, a black church. And Sophia, my best friend, is white. She's, she's Scandinavian. She's from Sweden. And it was just always such a nice time because she, you know, my 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 mom's church friends still ask about her when they ask about me. And it's just, it's just, it's really nice. And so, yeah, um, I miss those time periods. And that was also where we would sort of like get our consumerism in because it was a present drive for, for kids from underprivileged backgrounds and stuff. And so you get like a shopping list for a kid. And then that's when you get to like, be like, oh, I'm going to buy this kid some clothing and I'm going to buy this kid a really cool toy. What would I want if I were a kid? What looks like fun, you know? But then I also became like, oh, there's a lot of plastic in this stuff. What has yeah, the least amount of plastic I going know. on here? <laughs> Anytime <laughs> I have like taken my niece toy shopping, I'm like, I, I got to get out of my head in here because I'm like, you don't need an LOL surprise. <laughs> like, too much Oh plastic. my God. My niece was like obsessed with that for a while. <sighs> First she was, a, yeah, the LOL surprise like stuff. And uh, there was one thing that I remember she was really obsessed with. And I can't, rem- I can't remember what it was, but I told Steve, like, get this for Avery and she will just fall apart. And I remember her opening it and being like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so happy, so overwhelmed. Uh, she's so funny. She like, she cries when she's happy when Aww. she gets something. She's like, <laughs> gets really emotional. But yeah, um, yeah, I, there's ways that you can really like, you know, say you still like shopping, put your shopping to good for someone else that actually needs stuff. 
Totally. Because you probably don't need it. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I get it. Shopping is fun, right? Yeah. So we're, we're told that it's fun, at least. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a good call out. A lot of times <laughs> I look back and I'm like, that wasn't very fun. I had a headache. Yeah, or I was exactly. annoyed. <laughs> I felt worse when I left the mall than when I arrived. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> this year on my birthday, there was literally nothing we could do. Everything. I mean, stuff is open out where we live in Pennsylvania and people don't wear masks and stuff. And I was like, I just don't feel mm-hmm. safe. So all we could do was go to the mall. And yeah. I was like, wow, this is so not fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the holiday season, like, I don't know if you ever had, well, you worked retail. Retail during the holiday season will ruin you for the rest oh, of your life. Totally. I'm still recovering <laughs> from that for sure. Like, I get anxiety as we get closer to Thanksgiving. Where I'm like, I remember oh. this, one, this one woman, like, cutting me off for a parking space. And I just remember rolling down my window and said, take it. You see you next Tuesday. <laughs> Whoa! So, so much of the holiday spirit. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> it's true, though. I, one, Chris, I mean, like, working the holidays in retail is like, it's the worst. It's the worst. It brings out the worst in everyone. It, well, it does. And, like, we would have to come in at, like, midnight on Thanksgiving to start some blowout, like, Black Friday sale. And that was the beginning of the end. And, like, I was a seasonal employee for Nordstrom. I did that, too. Oh, so you know. I literally had a woman yeah. one time hit me with a package of curtains because they weren't on sale. And I refused to give her the sale price. What? And I was just like, what? what? Like, why is this okay? Like, And in that moment, you're, like, so stunned because it's so not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and you don't even respond because you're just like, did you just hit me? (laughs) It was crazy, right? (laughs) And my manager was like – what should have happened is like it should be like, okay, ma'am, you need to leave the store and never come back. But yeah. Instead, my manager was like, well, you can have the sale price. It was like a reward for hitting me in the face. For hitting you. Yeah. Like, yeah and my face was bleeding because the, it was like plastic wow. packaging and it had like a little like seam on it. Yeah. It, it can be really sharp, the plastic packaging and things like that. I know exactly what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, okay, you can have the sale price now. What? Yeah, that is not okay. Not okay. And, <laughs> and you know what? If I if you called me after that experience, I'd be like, we're suing because company Aja puts on her lawyer hat <laughs> and a friend calls and says, a woman hit me in the face at work. And yeah, I would have been like, right, I'm going to find you a lawyer, sweetheart. We're getting out of here. Yes. But yeah, oh, man, I wish. I wish I had known you then. My whole life would probably be different. I would have left that job. I would have had money to like do something else, you know? <laughs> My sister was always like, slow down, Juanita Cochran. <laughs> 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 I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, like no, if you work in a place and and you know, we talk about this obviously. Nobody should be being hit at work, but one thing we need to realize that is the reality for garment workers. Yeah. Like to bring it back to all of this, nobody should be experiencing that. What happened to you, Amanda, should not have happened to you. But it also shouldn't happen to anyone that makes our clothing if that is an everyday experience for them and it's not okay. Agreed. Agreed. Nobody should not be allowed to use the bathroom when they need it. And they should have access to a clean bathroom. Yes. Like that's not the case for a lot of garment workers. And like even – I mean, you know, we've all had those jobs where there's some crazy, mean, white dude who is screaming at people all the time. 
Have you had a dog? That was every job on yeah. TV, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one day I was like, are we allowed to yell at people at work? Because that seems unprofessional, right? Like it's mm-hmm. unprofessional for me to come to work in a tube top or something. Is it, yeah. Isn't it unprofessional for you to like scream at me like like you're my dad, my abusive dad or something? Did, did anyone get what you were saying no, when you said it? No, no, not at all. And I – were they like, oh, yeah, yeah, that is unprofessional? Because that's – the gaslight gets me when they yeah. agree with you and then the behavior doesn't change. Right. No, it was just like, well, you know, he's in charge. Gross. Yeah, gross. But, like, you know what? Garment workers getting yelled at all the time. Yeah. Being – And it shouldn't happen. Yeah, being verbally and physically abused. It shouldn't happen. Being locked in a factory? Like, oh my what? God. Because they're afraid you're going to, like – take a break or steal something like fuck that you're a human sleeping in a pile of clothes that was another thing i didn't like about the place where you used to work the shakedown that they make all the employees do i thought <gasps> it was degrading i'm glad you brought that up yeah that's degrading. and trust me when you're having it done it feels degrading it feels i think it's like, like i don't like being you know pat it down at the airport and but you know if i had to do that every time i went to work i'd be like nah Fuck this place, and, I'm out. And that someone could look in your purse and be like, oh, I see you have a pregnancy test in there. What's going on? Really? Oh, yeah. That's really yeah, grim. That's, that is really grim. That's really, really wrong. And I don't know if they do that anymore because I think they got enough customer feedback that it was wrong. Mm. Uh, it, t- it took about 20 or 30 years for that to happen, um, which is unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, that is- So customers would complain that they see you doing that to the employees and it's not cool? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I should have complained. I always thought it was not cool. See, that was so not cool. My bad. I should have complained and been like, I don't think it's nice how you treat your employees. Um, it, but you know, it took. They started to get complaints, and they were like, "Okay, well, let's do it off to the side. Do it where customers can't." See I it. noticed that. I noticed that yeah. as well. I noticed that shift because they used to be like real, like you know, cavalier and loosey goosey about it, and then I would notice it happening off to the side as well. And do you know that if you forgot, to, it was get, it was called getting checked out. If you forgot to get checked out or like sometimes you'd be waiting by the front door for half an hour waiting for a manager and you'd be like. Hey, were you off the clock when you were waiting? Yeah, of course. And I'd be like, you know, bullshit. I'm literally That's paying my babysitter bullshit. right now for me to wait here to get checked out. If I would have left, I would have been fired. Yeah, I'm just sighing yeah. all for some all for some sweatshop goods that they paid four dollars for exactly exactly yeah it's really ridiculous like hourly they charge you more than what they pay they they pay you more than what they pay they can afford to lose a lot of that stuff and they probably burn half of it oh yeah oh my goodness don't let an employee shoplift something like honestly i i saw this today do you follow the trash walker on instagram yes she's been on the show actually the account is amazing. Yeah. Today, she got some coach bags. I saw. Which a coach employee slashed. Oh. And coach, which I wrote about on Patreon, was trying to be like, we're going to be a more sustainable company. You can bring anything to this repair service that we're only going to offer in like, you know, a couple of stores. But like, let's roll out the big green carpet like we're actually doing something. And you can get your bag repaired <laughs> She's going to take the I bags can't wait. that she pulled out of the trash and tell them to repair them. This is a show I want to watch. You know what I mean? I wanna, I'm like I obsessed. I think it's going to be so cool. You know, I think it's interesting to bring up Coach, which I think, you know, is is considered luxury, right? Um, and it was once a really good brand. And boy, did they just they, – they took that brand and it was like a packet of soup, right? Like a packet of soup. And they were like – 
Someone get us a hose. That's what they did to their own brand. Oh my god, I, I love that. As a person who really tries to stretch some soup sometimes, I get that metaphor. <laughs> that so, is what Coach did with its own brand. Well, <laughs> but yeah, that is exactly what Coach did. And a lot of luxury brands did, actually, because yeah. they sort of adopted a lot of the fast fashion ways. Make as much product as possible and destroy whatever you can't sell. Totally, because it's brand damaging. You don't want poor people to get it on sale. Exactly. You wouldn't want anyone to dig it out of the trash, would you? So you got to rip it to Oh, so gross. And so there was this Instagram post, I'm sure like 97,000 people sent it to you. It was the woman who ran, the protester who ran onto the runway show at Louis Vuitton with the with a sign that said, um, overproduction. Yes. Is, over, is, yeah. Is it, mm-hmm. it was an Extinction Rebellion person. Right. Yeah. Right. And I tweeted, she didn't lie. She didn't lie. I was like, this is on point. Right. So I, th- the first post that someone sent me was like from business of fashion. So we already know it's like a different audience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were so many people on there who were like, yeah, well, it looks like she's wearing fast fashion jeans. So she's a hypocrite or like, you know, luxury isn't the same as fast fashion. She should be on Zara's runway. And I'm like, um, I wanted to, if I had all the time in the world and I didn't care about being really frustrated, I would absolutely mm-hmm. go in and respond to all those people and be like, um, you know, that like Louis Vuitton overproduces and destroys and wastes tons of shit, right? Like, it's not just fast fashion. So I think the part of the conversation that is always missing is our value system and how we value stuff. Because yes, they do overproduce. The difference is how we treat the garments, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if you have a Louis Vuitton bag, you're not going to carry it twice and then dump it in a charity shop. Right. You simply aren't going to do gonna that. You're going to resell it or something. And so we need to think about our value system. I mean, sometimes fast fashion clothing clearly isn't going to hold up. We shouldn't be dumping things that don't hold up in the global South. But the only argument that I can make that possibly makes sense is that there probably isn't a mountain of Louis Vuitton bags in Yantamonto. No, definitely because not. Because Louis Vuitton probably destroyed them before yeah, they yeah. get there. <laughs> but they never would get there because the way our society treats stuff is we treat things that are low price like disposable stuff. And we treat things like it's high price, like it should be valued differently. But for me, one thing I noticed with retail is that they like – treat everything once it is like not in demand like trash yeah. like the one of the things that i noticed and this was the the store that you worked for the store that my sister worked for there was a time period where orla keely was like super shit hot in the uk but no one in the us was really catching on mm-hmm. and this store had bought a bunch of orla keely stuff because it was flying off the shelves in the uk And for some reason, it just didn't catch on in the U.S. in the same way. And I went into one of the chain stores that my sister worked for previously while I was in New York once. And they had all of the Orla Keeley bags. And they were like 75% off of the retail price. And it was like the entire sale room was just like full of Orla Keeley. And this was a time period where I was pretty heavily broke. But I had credit cards. And I thought to myself... I'm going to make some money. So (laughs) I bought every bag in that sale room and spent like $500, but they had been marked down from between $14.99 to $29.99. Whoa, that is insane. I I had taken the Chinatown bus to New York to do some (laughs) TV work. So I bought, I had like 20 shopping bags. I must have looked ridiculous, like walking down Fifth Avenue with my 20 shopping bags full of the same bag because I knew that someone somewhere was happy 
to pay the full price for it. And I sold every one of those bags on eBay and turned myself a nice shiny profit. Yeah, I but bet. That is how retail treats stuff though. It's literally, if something is not considered desirable in the retail market, it becomes incredibly valueless very quickly, mm-hmm. which is really shocking. You know, it is, but that's just the nature of stuff. If there's no demand, there is no supply. And then of course, this is like a deleted chapter of my book, which will probably be released, but I'll just tell you when I met my partner, we had a long distance relationship for the first like three years that we were together. And um, people were like, how did you finance that? You were like living in your parents' basement. I upped my game and started selling luxury goods because we had a, we had a um, outlet near us that was getting in, luxury high-end goods we're talking celine handbags and at the time at the time celine handbags were shit hot and Mm -hmm. in other places they did not stay in any shop because people were buying them it said something about you to have a celine bag but dc things catch on really late there Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) our outlets were full of celine and i remember they they wouldn't put it out Because one, it's a security thing like that is, you know, very expensive merchandise, like it will encourage people to stick up the store, but they would put it in the back room. And that was also because brands like Celine and whatnot have deals with retailers where you can't display the merchandise discounted, but you can put it in a back room and tell select customers that it's there. Mm -hmm. So this one sales associate took such pity on me because I always used to come and sort of like lick the windows that's what french people call window shopping window licking (laughs) and she said to me you do know like we keep the high-end stuff in the back room do you want to see it and i was like what and so she takes me back to this room and they've got just rainbow colored celine trios and at the time they sold full price for sixteen hundred dollars they were marked down to $400. They had the chunky gold necklace that Rihanna had and Kim Kardashian then bought because she's a copycat. (laughs) And that was like a hard to get piece. They had several of the bracelets. I went to my car, screamed into my fist and went, "Ah!" and then I went back in and I bought every one of those items. And for a while, I was flipping those bags and it was like printing cash. And I was like, wow, our society is so weird. If the person in this location doesn't want it and the retailer has to get it off the shelves, it becomes valueless. But the person in that location over there will pay full price for it. And the retailers can't even be bothered to be like, right, why don't we just ship it to that location instead? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I've been in meetings where we've talked about that kind of thing. And it's always like, "Mm, it's too expensive. It's better to just trash it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I became actually a very valued customer of that store because they would call me up and be like, Hey, we're getting in bags. Do you want to buy them all? Because those people did work on commission. Mm. So it was like, if that girl goes in, she's maxing out a credit card and like, I'm having a great day. And so, yeah, they would call me up. And I, the thing about flipping something like that is you got to know when to hold them. Like the minute the goods start to sit for too long, that's an indicator that the market is changing on that product. So For a while, I was just printing money. And my parents, the first time I came home, (laughs) my mom thought I had had a nervous breakdown because I was (laughs) definitely very broke at the time. And so she actually thought that I had like just decided I'm just going to go into 
piles of debt and spend $10,000. But I said to her, mom, don't freak out. I'm going to sell it all. I'm going to sell it. And, uh, <laughs> You know, my dad came home. My mom was like, look what she's done. She bought all this stuff. <laughs> and my dad, remembering the bags, because he actually picked me up from the bus stop with my bags. And I looked ridiculous. And I said, don't worry, dad, I'm going to sell it. And he was like, okay. And then he watched as little by little all those bags left. And I was sitting there going, see, what did I tell you? And when my mom was like, Bill, she's really done it this time. My dad was like, <laughs> Shelly, I think she's going to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> and it became this thing where every day my dad would come home and be like, so what'd you get today? Because my dad is interesting. Like he doesn't, he's not someone that ever like, you know, he doesn't have like ostentatious style. He pretty much lives in Birkenstocks and like Adidas tracksuits. Like that's been his wardrobe since the 80s. Um, but he likes nice things. He did a year abroad in France when he was a college student in the 60s. He was the first person that told me how to pronounce Givenchy. Um, <laughs> you know, so my dad does have like an eye for these things. Right. And I remember he would come home and be like, so what you got? And I'd be like, this is called a Valentino rock stud. This is what it retails for. This is what I paid for it. And I'm going to try and make this amount of money. And he was like, really into it. Some bags he'd be like, I don't know why anyone will pay that much for it. I'd be like, I don't know either, but whatever. <laughs> um, and my mom told me at the time, she was so terrified that somebody would catch on to the fact that we had tens and thousands of dollars of luxury goods oh, in yeah. our basement and break into our house and steal it. She was like, I was just really nervous for you because I didn't want you drawing attention to the fact that we had this much merchandise in the basement. But that was how I financed my relationship with Steve. I was very broken, was like, this is never going to work out. This guy lives <laughs> in the UK. But, you know, when you start to understand that, like, everything is transient and nothing, value is completely created by the demand, you start to really sort of see the system for what it is. And then it doesn't matter so much anymore. Like, I remember my mom suggesting that I keep one of the trio bags for myself. I had sold like 20 or 30 of them. And I, I said to her, you know what? I don't want it anymore. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it was, it was good. And it was good. It was fun. I appreciate what they did for me. I'm good. And she was like, wow. So yeah, it changes your value system once you begin to really understand how these systems work. Yeah, it really, it really does. I, I yeah. I mean, I just like explain the deleted chapter, but like if you, I think we're going to add it to like a digital copy or something, but my, my publishers told me don't put that out, but I'm like, but I can say it on a podcast. I mean, I think it's really inspiring. Honestly, I paid, I paid for a whole trip to Argentina by selling, um, American apparel clothes. So <laughs> that does not surprise me. Every, every one of my friends has an American apparel story. Like a lot of my <laughs> friends used to work for them. Oh my God. I mean, I seriously like... I could do like seven episodes of just stories I've heard secondhand about American apparel. I was literally did a live with Sophie of Birdsong and she used to work for them. <gasps> oh my God. Me, she cracks me up. Like she's just, she's, she's hilarious. But yeah. So yeah, I just, I, I've had a lot of weird experiences with the fashion industry and you know what? I still love it because I want it to stop eating itself. That's the sad part is that people are like, well, you hate brands. And I'm like, yeah, I hate the ones that are bad, but the ones that are beautiful and doing amazing things and treating people fairly. I, I love that shit. 
let's have more of that. Totally, totally. And you know what? Like, it's fun to get dressed. I think that there is this uh, feeling out there that to be sustainable, like to live a sustainable life or wear sustainable clothing or whatever you want to call it, is to wear like linen, solid, boring unitards over and over again or something. Okay. Well, that is kind of how I dress. (laughs) (laughs) Don't hate the player. hate the game. (laughs) Art teacher. Art teacher. Yeah. But like art teacher means like, okay, but then you've got like some good earrings or something, you know, (laughs) some interesting, but, but comfortable shoes. (laughs) That is me to a T. What you trying to say about that? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think that, like, that's people are like, oh, so if, like, I want to care about doing right by people on the planet, I now have to give up any personal expression. I have to wear neutral. Yeah, Yeah, I can only wear beige now or something. Like, that's just fundamentally untrue. There is so much more clothing on the planet than there are people. Like, at the very least, just start buying some secondhand stuff. But don't get sucked into those websites run by the same people who created the problem. Yeah, seriously. Because those those people do seem to believe that being sustainable means you only wear olive, black, or beige clothing. I've you are really – I feel personally offended <laughs> by these descriptions. <laughs> But you know what I mean. They're like, oh. Barney flat form. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Exactly. Exactly. But like that is like like they're taking their page from that and they're like, oh, well, in order for customers to know that this is our conscious collection, we got to make sure it's all earth tones, right? Otherwise, they'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We didn't really talk about the book much, but it was okay. It's a great chat. (laughs) Well, everybody, uh, please go check out Consumed. It's available for sale now in the United States, um, and it's awesome. And it's like you think it's going to be this like really serious – I don't know. Like it is educational, but you think it's going to be like a textbook or something, and then you read it, and it's so fun. And it makes you feel really smart when you're done with it, and it gets you really riled up. Absolutely. And that's all I want. I want us all to make the changes where we can. I want us to feel like we are informed in these conversations. I want us to stop peddling lies about why it's like fast fashion has to exist because everyone's poor. And it's like, no, that's not why it exists. (laughs) I just want to get us all on the same page. But I also want you to realize that like changing how you interact with this system does not have to be terrible. It's actually great Mm -hmm. to like change your habits. And looking back, years out of it. I wish that I had just done this sooner. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I mean, I seriously, I have so many moments where I'm like, think about, I could probably like own a house now. Yeah. I think that too sometimes. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, I know. Then I get, I'm like, stop thinking about that. Like I'll get like a pain in my chest. I'm like, stop thinking about that. Think about something else now. But yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I think now is the best time to start. Yes. And it, it really, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a terrible thing. I think you'll look back and think yourself later and be like, yeah, I'm really happy that I started to sort of make some changes there. You will. Yeah, totally. And read Asha's book. Just saying that again. Because we didn't talk about the book. But I guarantee <laughs> – we, we, we talked about the deleted chapter. We talked about the but, deleted yeah. chapter. But also, I think if you were unfamiliar with Aja before this interview, hadn't read her book – you are now definitely want to go read that book, right? I'm sure. So Yeah, and say hi on Instagram. I like most people. Some people are dicks <laughs> on social media, but yeah. most people are okay. You know, I just 
Yeah. My, I think my prio is like, just be cool and be nice. Yeah. That's all it should take. But man, let me tell you, sometimes that's a lot to ask. That's, that's not how it is on the internet. Yeah. It's really, really <laughs> weird. It's something I think about an awful lot. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was so fun. And we've literally been talking for like almost three hours. I'm just wondering how you're going to edit this down. Whew. This is a long chat. Thank you again to Aja for taking the time to talk to me. It it means so much to me. And we we talked for hours and it was so fun. I'm so grateful for it. It energized me. It made me want to double down on fighting for a better world. And I hope it had the same impact on you. You can find Aja on Instagram at Aja Barber. You probably already follow her, but just in case. <laughs> and you can support her work via Patreon at patreon.com slash Aja Barber. Please, please check out Aja's book, Consumed. Even if you think you're an expert on sustainability, fast fashion, and consumerism's effect on the planet and its people, and at this point, if you've been listening, you're becoming one for sure, right? We're all, we're all getting there. Read it anyway, because it will also help you sort of develop your talking points for educating others. I mean, for me, This is a constant journey that I'm on. How can I get better and better at having these conversations with others? All of us have so much impact on the people around us. Even even if those people seem annoyed at the time, trust me, they're hearing what we say and it's starting the wheels a turning in their brains. Educating others, getting them involved, and welcoming them with open arms, that's how real change happens. I know I already said this in the episode. Maybe you're getting tired of hearing it. I don't care. I'm going to say it again. One person can't change the world alone, but real change can and will happen when we all work together. That's the magic of collective action, of educating others, and welcoming more people into our community. And we can do this. We will do this. Thanks for listening to another episode of Close Horse. Researched, written, edited, and hosted by me, Amanda Lee McCarty. If you'd like to support my work around here, please check out patreon.com slash podcast. And please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or even better, tell a friend. Also, next Sunday, October 31st, a day many people like to call Halloween, Meredith and I will be doing a spooky Instagram Live where we'll be sharing creepy stories of the trends that haunt our closets and the ghosts of brands that no longer exist. Don't miss it. (laughs) And thanks, as always, to Dustin Travis White for our music and audio support. Bye. (laughs) 